And I want to read from the word of the Lord. This is not in your handout, but it's in Second Peter chapter 1. Uh, as we have been revisiting some, some uh, core doctrines, core beliefs, uh, basics, element, elementary, if you want to call it that, if you've been uh, born again for X amount of years, it's important that we always stir up these things, remember these things, revisit them, because we cannot continue what we do not communicate. But if you communicate these things, we can continue these things. And so Second Peter chapter 1 says this in verse 12. Peter says, Wherefore, I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things, though you know them and be established in the present truth. Yea, I think it meet as long as I am in this tabernacle to stir you up by the putting you in remembrance. And so the Apostle Peter, he says, look, uh, I'm not going to be negligent in my duty. And my duty is to continually to remind you of these things, though you may even already know them, because we need to be established in these present truths. And uh, he says, as long as I'm alive, that's what he means by as long as I'm in this tabernacle, I am going to stir it up in you. I'm going to keep this in your remembrance. So it's kind of like a reflex. Uh, a re- yeah, reflex. I almost said reflex. No, we don't want none of that, you know. Uh, need tums if that happens. But we want to make sure that whatever comes our way, we're ready to give an answer. Familiar with Second Peter 3.15 or First Peter 3.15. Be ready always to give an answer to everyone that asks you the reason, the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. And so last week we went over uh, uh, what Jesus said about salvation part one. We talked about four basic elements. Uh, and if you missed any of the handouts, just let me know and I can get you, I can get that for you. But we talked about what sin is. We talked about what Jesus said sin was, what sin, uh, salvation is, what faith is, and what obedience is. All four of those topics Jesus addressed to help us to have some understanding about them. And as we're going through this Bible study, uh, it's for you to have. But if you want to ever teach it, I could print as many of these out as you would like. And that would be the goal is for us to share what we know with somebody who would like to learn, know, be exposed to this beautiful plan of salvation. So we're in part two, what Jesus said about salvation. As you see underneath there, there's Acts chapter two, verse 37 through 38. And the context of that is it is. Peter's reply to a simple question. Peter was asked a question on the birthday of the church. So if you're not familiar with it, this it's very important that whoever you're teaching, talking to, witnessing to has an understanding. Because we, if we've been in Christianity a long time and we're familiar with the scriptures, we can spout them off and not understand that whoever we're talking to may not have an ever-loving clue what in the world are you talking about. And this was uh, uh, brought to my attention again is... Um, a few weeks, not a few weeks, about maybe two years ago, um, there was a, uh, I can't think of it right now, it's, it's slipping my mind. I want to say Seventh Day, but it's not Seventh Day. It was a, a, a Latter-day Saints, uh, Mormons. Uh, a, a couple guys came to our door, they knocked, and uh, I'm friendly, I'm cordial, I'm not, I'm not trying to be a jerk or anything like that. And I am, I am genuinely always interested to hear somebody witness because I want to hear what someone has to say. And uh, you could always learn and glean and grow. And so they, they, I invited in my house, and I let them start talking. 
And they started spouting off scriptures. It was pretty incredible. They, you know, one of them was 18 years old. One was 19 years old. No fear whatsoever. Uh, I'm sure there's probably some inside of them, but they've been doing it like every day all summer, door to door to door to door to door to door, where basically they pushed fear out of them. And that's really what it is in witnessing. It's a matter of just doing it until you just overcome fear and you get acquainted with rejection, though we don't like rejection. But when someone rejects you, you, you have the opportunity to learn how to handle it. There's a man in the Bible, uh, if you remember Mordecai and Haman. Haman didn't know how to handle rejection, and uh, it ended up killing him. Not just that, uh, I can't think of the, the two names, but there's Ahithophel, and um, I can't think of the other counselor that was under the court of David. And uh, everyone basically... Uh, looked at Ahithophel as, you know, the counsel of God, if I'm getting the name correctly. He basically, his advice got turned down only one time, and he never been turned down before. He didn't know how to handle it, so he went out and committed suicide. And so that's an extreme, obviously, but sometimes we can commit spiritual suicide in witnessing to somebody because we never learn how to handle rejection. And so rejection is a part of it. Jesus Christ is the number one example of someone that was rejected for bringing truth. It wasn't because he didn't know how to do it. It wasn't because he wasn't good at it. It was Jesus Christ, you know. He knows how to witness, but he still, as God in the flesh, was rejected. And so we have to understand. Oh, this was going to say. So the, I'm going on a rabbit trail here. This, uh, these, these two young men were, you know, witnessing to me about their faith. And I'm listening to them, and they just started quoting Scripture after Scripture, but it was Scripture I've never heard before because it was from the Book of Mormon. And so while they're saying it, I'm like, what? What are they, what are they talking about? And they just as they're talking, I'm thinking in my mind, I wonder how often I sound like that when I'm witnessing to somebody. You know, because I like to quote Scripture. I like to reference Scripture all the time. But... That may not mean anything to who I'm talking to because they're like, okay, well, Job, what? Acts, what? You know, so sometimes you we got to remember, we guys got to break it down, be human, interact, and explain. And so when you read a verse, it's always good to give context if you're familiar with it. So what Jesus said about salvation, Acts chapter 2, verse 37 and 38 there under uh, at the top is, is a very important scripture because it is the birthday of the church. If we want to be a part of the church, if we want to be a part of Christianity, this is the original answer on the original day the church was started. Someone asked the preacher, what do we do? I want to know what I need to do. I know I'm wrong because they felt guilty. They realized they crucified Jesus Christ. And Peter says, Jesus wasn't just a man. He was a Messiah. And he wasn't just your Messiah. He was, he was God in the flesh. He's Lord. It says Lord and Christ, the anointed one, the Savior, okay, and Christ, uh, Lord, the supreme being in authority. And when they heard this, the Bible says they were pricked in their heart. They felt convicted. And so they asked Peter and the apostles, what shall we do? So here's Peter answered, and you see it, three things highlighted in verse 38. The first one is repent. The second one is to be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the mission of sins, and ye shall receive the Holy Ghost. That's the third thing highlighted. And so the question we are answering here today in the next couple of weeks is, what must we do to be saved. That was generally the question that was answered Peter. And Peter said what Jesus said. That's the point of this, this Bible study. He identifies three essentials to salvation. And so when Peter gave this re reply, we, 
we sometimes can struggle with, you know, the idea of a person telling us something to do. I don't know if you've ever struggled with that, but I've struggled sometimes someone telling me what to do. Uh, and so you like, I kind of like to pull out the card. Well, Jesus said this, or, you know, I don't, I don't obey man. I obey Jesus. So everyone's got, you know, the Jesus card. I serve God. I don't serve man. That's fantastic. So we want to look to see if what Peter said, is that what Jesus said? Or did Peter mess up on the first day of the church when he told people three things, repent, be baptized and be filled with the Holy Ghost. Because if you notice, he does not quote John three sixteen here, which is the verse that we as all Christians know. John three sixteen. Why did Peter not quote John three sixteen when they asked, "What do we need to do with our sin?" He didn't say it. He said, "Repent, be baptized, and receive the Holy Ghost." And so I want to show through the Scripture that all three of those things was a summary of Jesus' teaching. Peter summarized the gospel because he didn't quote all of Matthew, all of Mark, all of Luke, all of John, because those are four big books. But he summarized the essence of what Jesus taught about salvation. So let's look at that first word he mentioned, repent, repent. What is repentance? Repentance is saying, I am sorry for and fill in the blank, whatever you're sorry for. I'm sorry for lying. I'm sorry for cheating. I'm sorry for stealing. I'm sorry for killing. I'm sorry for uh, uh, vengeful thoughts. I'm sorry for, you know, being racist. I'm sorry, God, for being hateful. I'm sorry for being uh, um, a hypocrite. I'm so, what did you fill in the blank? Whatever it is, it is first and foremost telling God it is a sorrow. But then it is determining not to repeat that sin and begin walking towards God. Doesn't mean that we may... Uh, not ever repeat that mistake again or that sin again, but it is a mindset saying, I don't want to do that anymore. I want to change. I want to be going this direction with God. Repentance is a turnaround. So if you're going this way, you now turn this way. So if I was walking this way in my own selfishness and my sins, now I want to walk towards God and be selfless. So Luke 13, three, what did Jesus say? Jesus said, except you repent, Ye shall all likewise perish. So this is this is a premise of where we're drawing this from. Peter repeated what Jesus said. Jesus said we have to repent. If we want to be saved, we have to repent. That is the words of Jesus Christ. Now here's some other verses that are important to help us to understand some things about what we do with repentance. Hosea 14, 2 says this. When, you, when, when you're going to repent, when you're going to talk to God, this is what you do. You take with you words. And turn to the Lord, say unto him, take away all iniquity and receive us graciously. And so that is a, a prime example of an approach to repent with God is to take with you in your prayer words beyond thoughts. You know, we, we can think lots of thoughts and thoughts are important, but over and over again, you see it throughout the Bible, the importance of using words, the word confess Literally, it's, it means to bring those thoughts into words. And the Bible says to confess to Jesus. And so this is what we do. We begin to speak what we think, what we feel, and bring it to him. Next here on the right side says, feeling convicted of sin is a good thing. Now, we identified sin last week. We, we, we know Romans 3.23, that all of sin comes short of the glory of God. We know that in Galatians 5.19 from last week's lesson, that no sin is going to enter into heaven. And Jesus told us in John 8.11 to go and sin no more. And so, but feeling convicted about that sin, it's important to realize this. It's a good thing. It doesn't feel good, but it is a good thing. Why? 
because this is God leading somebody to repentance. The danger is when you when you commit a sin and you don't feel bad about it at all. That's the dangerous place to live because, you know, you, you don't feel like you've done anything wrong. But if in your heart you do something, whether it is something violent, whether it's something sexual, whether it's something hateful and vengeful, whatever the act is, if initially there's something in you that feels regretful about that, that is the love of God leading you saying, you know, that's not right. There's something better for you. There's something more for you. That's God working on your heart. And so 2 Corinthians seven ten in the New Testament, Paul says this to the church. He says, godly sorrow brings repentance to salvation. So that before repentance ever happens, there's got to be that conviction, that sorrow. I feel sorry for what I did. And that sorrow activates is, is, is God's attempt to activate in you a repentant heart that's going to lead you to salvation. Repentance is meant to be a direction, a direction away from where you're going and going to God. And now we uh, go on reading here. What we do is we audibly admit to God our sins and God will grant us mercy as we forsake our sins. Proverbs 28, 13 is one of my favorite verses uh, that I think so appropriately helps summarize repentance. And it says this, the person that covers their sins will not prosper, but whoso confesses and forsakes will find mercy. And so all the regret I have in my life, all the wrong I have in my life, it's stacked miles high. But all God wants from me as a person is to acknowledge it to him, to admit it to him. God, I'm sorry. I'm not trying because if I try to cover it up, then it remains covered. It remains cover me with my sin, just trying to hide my sin. But we want Jesus to take care of the sin. But Jesus wants us as humans, as people, to basically uncover, to reveal, to show, to be transparent and vulnerable with him, saying, God, I am sorry. I'm not going to try to hide this. I'm not going to try to point someone else. I'm not going to say I'm a victim here, God. Uh, my life hasn't been easy, but I know that I made some decisions that I'm responsible for, and I am sorry. <clears throat> And I want to walk away from those things. I want to turn from those things. And that is where the Bible says in Proverbs twenty-eight thirteen that that's how we find mercy, to confess and to forsake. That is repentance. Okay, so that's the first part of Acts 2, 38, of that answer that Peter gave to them, to repent of their sins. But what is the next thing that Peter said? He said to be baptized. All right. So what did Jesus say about baptism? We know what Peter says about baptism. He says, be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. Where did Peter get this drive, this passion to preach that, to state that? Why did he state that when when most people don't know more beyond than John three sixteen? Well, let's look at to see what Jesus said. Uh, Jesus said to be born again, you must be baptized. And to be baptized, you must believe. Some verses that Jesus is speaking in here. Look at John 3, 3. The context here is Jesus is having a conversation with a man named Nicodemus. And Nicodemus, as he's talking to Jesus, you know, he's complimenting Jesus. But Jesus cuts to the chase, to the issue that matters more than any issue. Salvation. Somebody going to heaven is the most important issue there is. And so what does Jesus say in John 3, 3? He says to the man, Nicodemus, 
except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Look at verse five. Verse five is the answer to Nicodemus's question. In verse four, Nicodemus says, what do you mean be born again? How do I enter back into my mom's womb and get born again? And Jesus defines what born again means. He says, except a man be born of water and of the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. And so we talked about this uh, uh, the past few weeks going through this Bible study that Jesus started his ministry talking about baptism. He, oh, this is the opening of Jesus' ministry, John 3. He starts talking about the born-again message of being born of water, of being born of spirit. And so Jesus sets the tone of the gospel. All right? But now let's look at Mark 16, 16. This is important to note here as well that Jesus, this is after Jesus died. He was buried in the grave. He rose again. And, and now he's talking to the disciples, his last words on earth before he takes off into heaven. And here's what he tells them. You know, if you want to see me, this is what needs to be done. Because how, we all want to go to heaven, right? We want to go to where Jesus is at. Well, if you want to see him, he says, this is what we do. He says, he that believes and is baptized shall be saved. He that believes not shall be damned. And so Jesus in the beginning of his ministry, John 3, 3, talks about water baptism. Now we're at the end of Jesus' ministry, Mark 16. He talks about water baptism. And so he, 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 he starts and he concludes his ministry with a baptismal sandwich of being baptized in water and being baptized in spirit. Both in the beginning and both in the end, Jesus addresses that. And so Jesus said that baptism is part of being born again, and saved. And then Peter, uh, as he so, um, he does such a great job, just in like in Acts chapter 2, but even at uh, the opening of his ministry is Acts chapter 2, verse 38. But the conclusion of his ministry is in First Peter chapter 3, because that's what we're reading in, in these epistles. He says, look, I'm about to take off this tabernacle, meaning I'm about to die, and so I need to, I need to communicate these things to you so you don't forget them. And so Peter, before he is martyred for his faith, he is talking about the importance of baptism. First Peter chapter three, verse 20 and 21. It's not in your handout, but if you're talking to somebody, this is a verse you want to open up and read. And what that verse says, it talks about uh, the patience, the long suffering of God waited in the days of Noah while the ark was preparing where eight souls were saved by water. And so in verse 21, he gives the revelation of Noah's ark. He says that figure, that example is baptism that does also now save us. Not the putting away of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God. That's what verse 21 says. Basically, he goes, baptism is not some ritual to make your flesh feel clean. He says baptism is for the conscience sake, the innermost being of who you are. It is so you can have a clear conscience. It is the answer of a clear conscience towards God. And so when somebody is baptized biblically, when they look at the Bible, they see the, the scripture of what baptism is, why we baptize and how to baptize and the purpose of it all. When you obey it, you can come up out of that water with a clear conscience. I obeyed what the Bible said. And that's what matters is obeying what the word of God says. And so the Bible shows there's only one way to be baptized. 
And that is the saving power. It is in calling on the name of Jesus. Let's look at a few verses here on the right side of that baptismal section. Acts chapter 4 and verse 12. This is Peter again preaching. He is speaking. He's being interrogated uh, because they performed a miracle in the name of Jesus. Because there was a man that was paralyzed, could not walk. Peter prays for him. God heals the guy's legs. He's running and jumping in the house of God, excited. And the Pharisees, the religious leaders of that day, are upset about it. And they start asking, how did you do this? How did you do this? And he says, let me be absolutely clear with you how this miracle was performed. And he begins to preach Jesus. He says, all of this is because of the name of Jesus Christ. And so he's answering in this court setting with the religious leaders. And here's what he says about the name of Jesus, Acts 4.12. He says, there is salvation in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. So Peter, this preacher, he says, the power, the authority, salvation is all in the name of Jesus. Paul, when uh, the apostle Paul he was a convert to Christianity. He was a terrorist for modern-day vernacular. You know, he literally terrorized Christians, persecuted, killed them. He had legal documents to go arrest them, imprison them, put them on trial so they could be whipped and beat. So here is a terrorist of Christians, and he gets a conversion experience with Jesus, and here's him sharing his conversion experience. And when he starts talking about how he converted to Jesus— what ends up happening is he shares what the preacher told him because the preacher is teaching Paul about Christianity now. He's saying, look, look, this is, this is what Christianity is all about. This is that voice that you heard from heaven talking. That was Jesus. And, and this is what Jesus commands you to do. He, he said, you need the Holy Ghost and you need to be baptized. And so as he's talking to Paul about this, and that's found in Acts chapter 9, a few chapters earlier, here is Paul now sharing what the preacher told him. What are you waiting for? In verse 16, get up and be baptized. Why? To have your sins washed away. How? Calling on the name of the Lord. The power of baptism is not the water. The water is not something mystical or magical. We didn't import it from Jerusalem. We didn't buy it from some sort of televangelist so you can have an airplane jet somewhere. We didn't do any of those things. All we simply did was get good old Watertown tap water, fill up a baptistry. That's that's just a simple part of obeying how people are baptized. But the power is in the name of Jesus. Jesus is the saving name. Jesus is the cleansing name. Jesus, if you want to call it the active ingredient, him and, and faith in that name. It's faith and faith in that name when you call upon it. And so the power of baptisms are faith in his name. The original church always baptized with water immersion in the name of Jesus, not in titles, Father, Son, Holy Ghost. And so that's a very common way people baptize. They would say, I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. And uh, in this region in which we live, this is not bashing, this is not uh, mocking or insulting. It's just a cultural reality of where we live that the typical way someone is baptized is an infant 
and they are sprinkled. And it's in the name of the Father, name of the Son, name of the Holy Ghost. And again, I'm not here to insult, mock anybody's experience with that in the past or those in this community. But the reality is in the Bible, the book that we want to follow, that we want to model our lives after. There's never a child, a baby baptized. There is never anyone sprinkled with water in baptism. And never in the Bible is anyone ever baptized in the name of the Father, name of the Son, name of the Holy Ghost. And we'll go through some verses here of the times you read about someone being baptized in the church, the original church. I know there's a 2020 church, but I'm not interested in being a 2020 church. I'm interested in being like the original church that I read about in the Bible, because that's the book that I'm going to be judged by, right? And so here's what the Bible says in Acts 2, in verse 38. It says, be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And so the first time water baptism is preached, they said the name of Jesus was called over people in baptism. The next time you read about water baptism occurring, Acts 8 and verse 16, the Bible says they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And this is uh, a Philip, who is another preacher, an evangelist in the city of Samaria. And when he's baptizing people, it is in Jesus' name. And then in Acts chapter 10, the next occurrence we read of water baptism, it's Peter now preaching to Gentiles, to non-Jews. And he gives them orders to be baptized, how? In the name of Jesus Christ. And then in the, towards the latter end here of the book of Acts, chapter 19, verse 5, it says they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. So time and time again, we see that model. Why? Because the power is in the name of Jesus. And so if somebody asks you, you know, well, uh, what about Matthew 28, 19? Uh, you know, Jesus said, that to, to baptize in the name of the Father and in the name of the Son and in the name of the Holy Ghost. And so it's important for us to recognize that Jesus said that. And it's also important for us to put into the equation that every time someone's actually baptized, that phrase, that statement is never used. It's always said in the name of Jesus. So the question has to be asked, why? Why did the apostles baptize in the name of Jesus were they disobeying Jesus? Did they misunderstand Jesus? Were they rebelling against Jesus? Or perhaps did they understand Jesus? Now, remember, the apostles were with Jesus for three and a half years. Nobody closer to Jesus than the apostles for three and a half years that heard everything. That traveled with him. They slept by his side. They went through everything with Jesus. And it's important that we recognize, you know, when you read the last chapter of Matthew 28 and you read the last chapter of Mark 16 and the last chapter of Luke 24 and John 21 and the opening of Acts chapter 1, it's the apostles that are with Jesus for 40 days after he rose from the dead. 40 days, Jesus is talking to them about the kingdom of God, that very place that we want to go, heaven. I want to go to heaven. And so when they, when Jesus spoke to them what to do, did they mess up or did they understand? I believe they had revelation and understanding. And so if you have your Bible, it's not in your handout, but you could open up your Bible if you like to, or you could jot down this note, Matthew 28, 19. 
It is the one time in Scripture you read about baptism where you see it not in the name of Jesus. You see it in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, and in the name of the Holy Ghost. That is Jesus speaking. Now, now remember, every time we read in the church, someone's baptized in the book of Acts, you have those verses in your handout. It's in the name of Jesus. Did they mess up or did they understand what Jesus said? So when you look at Matthew 28, 19, there's some key words you got to look at. It says, baptize in the name. Look at that, that, that's, that word there, name. If there's no S at the end. It doesn't say names. It says name, singular, okay? So name is the primary thing you got to focus. The next, it says father, and then it says in the name of the son, in the name of the Holy Ghost. And so the, the question here is, what is the name? Because Jesus commanded to be baptized in the name. And so when you're talking to somebody about this question, a very simple place to start is right in the middle. Say, what is the name of the son? And the answer is obvious. Jesus is the son of God. Jesus is the answer to who that son is. And, you you know, you have verses like Matthew 121 and Matthew 123 where it says, you know, who Jesus is. You will call him his name Jesus for he shall save the people from their sins. Call him Emmanuel, which by interpretation means God with us. That is who Jesus is. Okay, so that's not difficult to figure out. What might be difficult is when you go to name of the father. What is the name of the father? Well, Jesus said in John 543, I have come. In my father's name. And then in, what is the name of the Holy Ghost? John 14, 26. The Holy Ghost whom the father will send in my name. And so all three times Jesus says each title has a name. And that name is the same. The name Jesus simply means God, my salvation. God is my salvation. And so a simple way to understand this in, it, it is not that it's the most uh, uh, powerful revelation. It's very basic and simple, though it is powerful if you understand it. Is if I if I were to tell you that here I am, I am a father, I am a son, I am a pastor, but that is not my name. Those are titles of mine. Those are attributes of mine. Those are roles that I function and operate in, but those are not my name. I am one person that has one name. The Bible says there is one God. And we read that there is not salvation in any other name other than Jesus. Jesus is the saving name. And Jesus said in John 5, 43, I have come in my father's name. And Jesus says when the Holy Ghost comes, it comes in my name. And so the salvation, the power is in the name. And so when the apostles went forth baptizing, they went forth with the authority. Like if, if somebody handed you a check and it had a million dollars on it, it's a million dollar check, I, I would be a little excited. I don't know about you, but I'd be, I'd be a little excited about that. But if I, if I looked over into the corner and their name wasn't signed there, I can go to the banker and present that thousand dollar or million dollar check. A thousand, I don't want to shortchange myself. I, I, I want to bring that million dollar check. They're not going to deposit that. I don't have access to what's in the account because the name is not there. Now they could write, if I went back to the person with the, that gave me the million dollars, I say, please, uh, I want to, I want to cash this like yesterday, please. And, 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 and they write pastor. 
and, and I take it and I bring it to the banker and it just says, Pastor, they're not going to give me access to the account because of a title. I will have access to the account because of the name. And that is what we have access to. Remission of sins is found in the name of Jesus. So going back to your handout, look at the top right where it says baptism. Peter says there is salvation in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. Then if you go down just a little bit, Acts 2.38, it's at the very top as well. What did Peter say to them? Be baptized. Who? Every one of you. How? In the name of Jesus Christ. Why? For the remission of sins. And so that's the power of baptism in the name of Jesus. That when we take our sins that we repented of, we take them to Jesus. He buries them in that water. And in the name, we have access to the account, which is a blood account. It is a blood that shed from the cross that covers all of those sins. So when you come up out of that water in Jesus' name, you come out white as snow with a complete clean slate. There is nothing as powerful as Jesus name baptism. It is so it is the covenant in which we come into with God. It's so powerful that the Bible likens it to the original covenant that God made with Abraham in Colossians chapter two, verse 11 and 12. It says we have the same covenant, but it's not the covenant like the Old Testament, the physical circumcision. It's the circumcision of Christ being buried with him in baptism. That is powerful because in the Old Testament, you could not be part of anything that God was doing if you were not in circumcision covenant with God's people. And so the New Testament covenant is baptism, water baptism. And so you see that at the bottom right of your handout there. Every believer in the original church was baptized in Jesus' name. Here's three other references that are not there. The Bible says in Romans 6, 3, that we were baptized. Anyone that's been baptized into Christ, they were baptized in his name. And Galatians 3.27 goes on to say that we have been baptized into the name of Jesus. And we just read Colossians 2.12 a moment ago that we are buried with Jesus in baptism. And so when, when, when I am talking to somebody about baptism, I ask a couple simple questions and we're going to finish up right here. Is is and you could write these questions out down if you like when you're talking about baptism, you know, I, uh, you know, one you, you, you ask if they've been baptized and they, they say yes or no, because uh, I can't think of any other answer to that question. I guess there is. A, I don't remember. That is a possibility. Uh, someone could have. I don't know how. Anyways, so that is a possible answer. I don't remember. But typically, yes or no. All right. And so here's here's the questions you asked after that question. Number one. Is were you an infant when you were baptized? Were you an infant when you were baptized? The next question, question number two, is were you sprinkled when you were baptized? Were you sprinkled with water when you were baptized? That's question number two. And then question number three is when you were baptized, were you baptized in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, in the name of the Holy Ghost? And after you give somebody time to answer that question 
the, the, the answer or the reply, the response is, you know, if you've answered yes to any of those three questions, I have good news for you. You can be baptized again the biblical way. Because every time in the Bible someone is baptized, it is, it is in the name of Jesus Christ. It is completely immersed in water every time. And it's somebody that's already repented of their sins. They already believe. This is why a baby is never baptized in the Bible because there's two qualifications to be baptized. It's in, in the Bible. There's two qualifications. You have to believe and you have to repent. Those are the two qualifications. A baby does not believe. A baby cannot repent. That is why we, we don't baptize infants here uh, is because we want to do whatever the Bible says to do. Okay, we're not mocking, insulting, slamming, damning, condemning people uh, that were baptized as babies because here's the reality is anyone baptized as a baby had no choice. You were a baby. You know, it's just it's just the way it is. And so but when we grow up and we start seeing the scripture, the reason why people are baptized is because they believe and they repent of their sins. And now they are wanting to see the remission of their sins and enter into covenant with Jesus Christ. That is, is baptism's not designed for church membership. Baptism's not designed. So, well, if I get baptized, then I can marry this person. That is not the purpose of baptism. It is a covenant with Jesus Christ, and it is putting the old life under the water and coming up a new creature in Christ Jesus. And so I, I always ask it in that way, because if you just say something, hey, were you baptized? Someone can say, yeah, and that, that's, that's great. Or, hey, were you baptized in Jesus' name? Someone says, yeah. And then you might be like, surprised you know because culturally you know around here that's not the way people are baptized and so you almost kind of lost footing and now you got to try to like undo an answer to help them to understand the answer and that's why i always ask first you know have you been baptized in the name of the father name of the son name of the holy ghost because if they have revelation they'll say oh no i was baptized in jesus name and so i give them the opportunity to correct me if it's if 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 that was incorrect because revel if you have revelation you'll let somebody know you'll say no I was I, I remember I was baptized in Jesus name I was I was twelve years old I repented of my sins man I I was twenty nine years old when I got baptized and so here is one last thing I said and then we're done because it's a quarter till and we're gonna have our we'll go to our break before we go to our worship service here um, and if you're here today and I, and this is the first time you ever heard about Jesus name baptism baptizing after you believe and after you repent uh the good news is this in acts chapter 19 that's your that's your that's your scripture that's your verse if you've been baptized before acts chapter 19 verses 1 through 5 and i'll summarize it for you as you look at it uh because don't just believe me because i'm saying it look at the bible that's 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 what we're judged by is the bible and here's what the bible says paul met 12 people and then he, he, he says, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believe? And they said, what do you mean? I, what, what are you talking about, the Holy Ghost? And so he stops, and he doesn't mock them. He doesn't insult them. He tries to find out where they're at, where they're living. And so he goes, okay, well, how were you baptized? And they basically say, you know, we're, we're, we're Baptists. We're John the Baptist. You know, we were baptized unto this baptism, John's baptism. And Paul says, oh, okay, okay. And so from there, what does he do from there? He starts teaching Jesus' name. He starts talking about the power of Jesus' name. He says, repentance is powerful, but Jesus' name is what takes care of what you repented of. And so after he does that, the Bible says that all 12 of them 
were rebaptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And then they were filled with the Holy Ghost. And so let's stand together as we pray and dismissal. If you have any questions about uh, the Bible study here today, I'd love to, to sit, discuss, answer anything uh, that you may ponder, question, wonder. And um, and if you're interested in having uh, more printouts of this for you to have as a reference, I have them in stickers as well where you could stick them in your Bible and it's there with your Bible anytime you're walking out and about. But let's pray. Jesus, I love you. I thank you for your word. I thank you for your truth. And God, I pray that you help us to be, Lord, what we read about in the Bible. Lord, I want to obey your word and I want to help be able others to understand your word. Help me, God, to have the ability to teach your word, to communicate your word to those that have questions, those that are looking, those that are inquiring. I pray and I ask that in the name of Jesus. Amen. God bless you. Uh, We're going to take a short 15-minute break.